Well, good morning, and how do you do? I do lovely. Thank you for asking. Well, guys, <laughs> welcome back to another exciting episode of the Beards, Brews, and Bros. I am your host, the marvelous Mr. Mossman. And with my co-host, he was one of those little green men knocking at your front door on this wonderful last Halloween, Mr. K-Rob. Oh, so you, you really going to fire up on me like that this early in the morning? It's, it's like you, that, huh? You must be clapping back, son. Get real. Listen, I just finished my coffee. Let this caffeine sit in. I got something for that ass here in a little minute, in a little while. Don't, don't pray with me. Don't play with me. It's too early. <laughs> oh, get real. Anyway, guys, today we're going to be talking about, one, our Halloween experiences today, or, you know, to date, obviously, from last night. And then we're going to be talking about our previous experiences. Also, we're going to talk about prepping for holiday pains and everything else, you know, because everybody loves those wonderful family gatherings. And then we're going to be discussing our possibly our best our best Thanksgiving, and we'll be talking about our worst Thanksgiving, as well as talking about games coming out in the holidays. We've got our first question that came in to the Beards, Brews, and Bros, and we're also going to be talking about terrible games, but great parent company. Like, what the fuck happened? And then, of course, we're going to do our Retro Rewind. We're going to be discussing Ozzy's new animated Hellraiser featuring Lemmy from Motorhead. Really exciting stuff, man. Don't you think? Uh, dude, uh, I checked that out. I checked that out this morning, and I think I think I got sexually aroused. It was so freaking good. I can't wait to get into that with you. Um, lots, lots to dig into, folks, on this on this beautiful Monday morning. Beautiful and chilly over in my part of a uh, of of the neck of the woods of Missouri. I'm down in southwestern. Uh, Moss, the Moss Cave is up north. Uh, it's cold. I'll tell you that right now. But we got a lot of great stuff to get into. Yeah, the the Lemmy and Ozzy was just beautiful to wake up to listen to today. Um, and we we're gonna we're gonna talk about Thanksgiving memories. Halloween, what it was like to be a kid back in the Dizzy, if you will, and also doing it as a parent nowadays. So, um, Moss, you want to you want to go ahead and get this uh, get this show rolling? Uh, I'd like to hear first. How was your Halloween, sir? Well, it was pretty fan freaking tastic, man. Uh, I'll be honest. The day before that, I will, I actually want to extend my hand and say congratulations, Byron, on your nuptials, and I wish you guys a wonderful life and you know everything, all the above. And then, of course, after the wonderful wedding we had on that day, we kick-started and jumped right into Halloween. Have to, have to. Uh, and, of course, uh, you have two children of your own and a third one on the way. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what your daughter Layla dressed up as and how everything went yesterday, man? So, yesterday, pretty well, we had Layla win as a unicorn princess. So, Miranda made her outfit. It looked fantastic. I mean... Gal can arts and crafts are butt off like nobody's business. And then Jesse was a lion. He had the RAR down pretty good. I thought that was pretty comical. But later on, as we're going through trick or treating, instead of RAR, he was going bad. I was like, I didn't know lions bad. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So it it, it was really a good time. I mean, we went through her grandmother's neighborhood over here, and it it was it was a quiet, nice evening. It was kind of getting a little chilly towards the tail end of it all of it, but. It wasn't bad, though. I mean, we had a really, you know, really good day for it. Weather wasn't terrible. And, I mean, we just made our normal rounds, and then we gave out candy at her grandma's house afterwards and before. And that just kind of was the rigmarole. It sounds like a great time, man. Really, really happy to hear that you all enjoyed it. Had a safe 
evening as well. Yesterday, I got to uh, I went to church with my daughter and uh, we did truck or treat over at our church from one to three afterwards. And she came in dressed as Princess Elsa. I dressed as Powerline, the greatest singer in the history of Disney. I will die on that hill. And someone out there specifically know, uh, specifically knows that I will, even if she will tell me I'm wrong. Get this man but a shovel. I, I come in as this the same person who gave me a dirty look for saying Mario sucked. Uh, so guess who's not doing that again? But I come in yesterday dressed as Powerline, and Michelle, my daughter, asks, Daddy, who's on your shirt? So I tell her, of course, who, who it is and say he's a singer. She proceeds now. Ladies and gentlemen, who've never met my, got to meet my child, she is five years old, and the most confident uh, kindergartner on two feet, I promise you. She says, Daddy, I'm a better singer than him. And so she whipped out her, her microphone because she has a Princess Elsa microphone that she took to church with her in her outfit. And this was a full-on dress. She had to pick it up to walk and everything, the tiara, the whole nine. So she starts singing into the unknown, into her microphone, just to prove a point. It's like it's like the Michael Jordan meme where he says, and I took that personally. She took Powerline being a singer person. I didn't even say he was a, a, the best singer. She did. She said, oh, no, I'm better than him. And it took every opportunity to remind me of such. <laughs> She like, literally she had on and she had an out a different Halloween outfit on for three straight days, one for Friday for school where she was a fox. Saturday she spent some uh, we spent some time together and hung out. She comes over to my house dressed as Pikachu, and yesterday she's Elsa. I officially have a child that will not wear that will not be caught in public wearing the same thing twice. There you go. She is a she's a hot mess, and I'm and I'm look and I'm looking at her like, oh good lord, you're me. It, See, I, when you become a parent, it truly is hard to parent the you out of you. This is true. I'm about to say, I didn't actually dress up yesterday. I, if anything, I was dressed as a dedicated employee. Oh, how adult of you. Gross. I know. <laughs> Jeez. I, I, had, I had to go all black with my power line because my shirt shipped out late, and that's going to arrive here Tuesday. I'm probably still going to wear that anyway so I can do the whole dance and everything and, I, I, and do the perfect cast and record it for a select few folks. Because uh, I got no problem embarrassing myself at all. But this guys, will probably be the first time I've done this dance sober. Guys, be ready. He's going to be trying to flex on you any chance he gets. <laughs> flex what? Uh, be flexing that power line, man. I mean, listen. <laughs> whew, I mean, that, that, that's some strength. You know what? I also realized about that movie. That movie would have been way more popular had it not come out in the year between The, the Lion King and Pocahontas. I'll be honest with you, any movie in that Renaissance era that was kind of set up for failure post, you know, anything between Aladdin and the Lion, and the Lion King, man. Really, yeah. though? True. I mean, be honest with you, you know, and then, of course, Disney taking a shit on itself when it tried to do, like, those sequels, you know, like Return of Jafar with the, the crappy Re TV animation. Nah, Return of Jafar is cool. Um, the, the, uh, the Aladdin sequel with his dad is super slept on dude that's a fantastic one i have no issue with the third one the second one I, to me i like a, to keep the same art style for mm -hmm. every film you know that's that's yeah. a good thing but i know at that time disney was experimenting with you know their animated series so they had a series of artists and animators that were producing things for them for their tv shows so that was their way of kind of producing saying hey if you like the movie hey come watch our tv show 
Because let's let's pimp out the property as much as we can right now, you know. Oh yeah, they they've been doing it for years, and I mean, how many times are you going to buy a Disney rehash? Uh, take my money. <laughs> I mean, because they because if there's anybody that has a larger catalog of nostalgia to prey on, it's Disney. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be honest, even with their TV shows and stuff, man, they're just they're they have a lot waiting in the wings, and it's just one of these days Disney is going to get wise and they're going to release all that intellectual properties and they're just going to be like you know what here it is out there for y'all to nerdgasm over and pretty much but i i it just that just crossed my mind you know wearing wearing you know the get up yesterday and thinking man that movie really it, it got more popular as the years have passed but my daughter really just had to show me up just all all i did was wear a shirt all I did was wear a shirt with a fictional singer on it that I wished was real, and she and she took it personally. But that, folks, that's our experiences, you know, as a as as fathers uh, for Halloween. Now, when we were kids, you know, and Jared and I grew up pretty differently. You know, I grew up, you know, more more in the city, if you will, and our tiny town of Poplar Bluff, uh, more around folks where you grew up out in the country. Uh, so our so our trick or treating experiences may have been a lot different. So if you want to take the lead and uh, just let folks know what what outfits you remember wearing, what your memories were um, when you were younger, trick or treating. Man, honestly, the, what we used to do for trick or treating in my neck of the woods, uh, we would get up with everybody, go to Grandma Mossman's house, go ahead and get candy up there, and then. Typically, I was dressed in any carnation of like a Power Ranger, a Ninja, or you know the very first one I can remember. I was a construction worker one year. Very odd, but you know, hey, I, I like to be a construction worker, working with them tools, man. But we would go over to Fisk, where my grandma Young lived. We would hit up her house, and then we would actually walk through the neighborhood. Back in those days, when that neighborhood was good, I wouldn't go to Fisk in the dark these days. You don't know who the hell's there. And then just we would hit the houses. We'd hit my coach's house. You know, we would go hit the ones that we knew. And then we'd circle back home. And then, of course, obviously, mom would check my candy. Buy her check my candy. Take out what she wanted. <laughs> and then uh, that, that's pretty much how we did it. Halloween for us was not a super big thing. We did some parties and stuff. I remember over the years I went to different ones with different people. But it, – it never really was my thing as much. I, I would dress up for it, but it just was not the bee's knees for me. Well, and, and, and for, for some families, it isn't. You know, well, there's more stock and weight put into other holidays for certain families like Thanksgiving and, of course, Christmas. Now, too, as I've gotten older in my experience, my personal experiences, I've met more people where Halloween is Christmas. And oh yeah, it's, and it's become that. It's become that for me now. I it's way way jazzed up for uh, Halloween. I mean, as a kid, we always didn't have like we didn't have the means to go get costumes. A lot of times, you just you know made up something you know kind of cool on the fly. Your mom would do. Uh, I remember one year she made me into like a like a dead member of the army or something. Like she just painted my face white and I was wearing fatigue pants. Uh, where are my sister? My sister's uh, fatigued when she was in ROTC. And uh, I, I want to say it was junior high or high school. Cannot remember. I got too many sisters. Uh, but, you know, what, like once I, once I got older and like I actually when I went to college was when I first dressed up. And um, 
when I was a freshman at Arkansas State University in 2007, I actually, I dressed as the Kiss Demon, I did the Gene Simmons thing, and because my yeah. tongue was not, my tongue's not as long as his, then again, who the hell is this, except the Undertaker's, um, I had like a paper tongue made, so when I opened up my mouth, um, it would like roll out a little extra to try to, you know, have that Gene Simmons tongue, if you will, oh, uh, yeah. that was, that was fun, um, but, you know, like the neighborhoods that we hit up, uh, living in Papa Bluff, we always wanted to walk around um, up on Main Street uh, to, to hit the nicer houses. Because knowing now, if I knew now what I if I knew then what I what I knew now, th- like those weren't would not have been the houses to go to. We would have been going out to the gate to the neighborhoods like Bluff Estates and uh, and places like that to go get the what I call the full size candy bar houses. Oh, dude, bats and mini farms. Mm-hmm. We're not, not I, I didn't live anywhere. Places like that. I know what kind of candy they're packing. Like the, 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 a lot of the houses we grew up around, those were the, the peanut butter. Candies. Um, like you could tell like, oh man, they just got the bare bone stuff. You know, you'll be lucky if you get like a good sized uh, Milky Way or, snickers or something over there but you wanted to you wanted to hit up the high quality houses now last year i took my daughter trick-or-treating and we went up to this really really big house towards the end of our run and like these folks were so they were they were, they were so gracious and giving of what they had they gave her three full-sized reese or, or hershey bars why oh, am i why am i at 33 years old getting jealous of my child i'm literally looking in her bag like damn where was the where was that at when I was a kid? We didn't know how to trick or treat properly, apparently. <laughs> Dude, there um, was people last night running around with like coolers full of like candy. Like you would just see uh, unearthed amounts of like people out and about and like people with young kids. Like, you know, like we have an eight year old and then we have our, you know, year and a half year old and they're whatever. But they had one that was just the same age as Jesse. And these parents were going ham, like had like three bags of candy. And I'm like, I know damn well that ain't for your kid. (laughs) (laughs) But low key, I'm a little, I'm a little jealous. Like, let me get on some of that. But uh, we had a lot of, I had a lot of really cool uh, memories trick or treating and just, you know, walking neighborhood with friends and, you know, back when it was a little bit more fashionable, I guess, to do that. Um, it was a great, but we had a lot of great times. Uh, it, it couldn't always be afforded to get the most upscale or badass costume, but you may do with what you had, and it was more about the memories than what you wore. Um, but I, but as an adult, I'm definitely trying to look look fly as hell every year, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Halloween 2K21 uh, was a big success. Uh, you know, uh, my daughter last night she she did the big trick or treating with her mother, and I. And I I don't doubt for a second that, that they didn't have a great time as well. So hopefully all of you out there got to have had a very safe experience. Your kids had a great time and you make sure that every time they act up, you take their Halloween candy because the less Halloween candy they have, the less likely they're to develop diabetes. You're doing them a favor. That's good. Parenting 101. Justice. Follow, follow me for more parenting hacks. <laughs> <laughs> What else we got on the plate this morning, man? It's, it's Monday. We got to we got to set the table properly for the rest of the week. So what else we got going, dude? On? Let's set the table up for Thanksgiving. Let's just jump right into talking about Thanksgiving. Like I said, 
for me, that was like my holiday time was Thanksgiving and Christmas because that was where I saw most of my relatives I actually did like. So, like, for example, Thanksgiving, I would see, like, you know, the Mossman side of the family. Christmas was more geared towards me before having, like, the young side of the family. Because then I knew that, one, one of my favorite relatives was coming in. And, two, you betcha we were going to be hanging out until she had to go back. And that was always a misadventure and a half there. Any of those holidays, anything kind of shit we could stir up, we were doing it. You stirring up shit on a holiday? No, I just I, I can't even imagine. Oh no, never! I, I'm a I was a sweet kid back in those days, wouldn't you know? You're so freaking swell. <laughs> Literally up this morning using the word swell. Wow, I know. But you know I, that was kind of the more thing for me. I got to see people that I normally didn't get to see, and that's why I enjoyed that. You know, got to have those connections, and then uh, just some people. Just in case people don't know, I was more. I, I loved being around my grandparents. That was like the big thing. They lived r- literally right up the hill from us, and I was at their house constantly. And any time I got to go gather with them or spend time with my grandpa and the family, I I was just happy. You know, I, I may have been the shy kid different times back in the day, but there was just family being as important as it is. That was the nice thing for me. Just getting to see those folk, getting to break bread with them, and just have good conversations, catch up what's going on in the world, because you, you may not get to see them, but three or four times a year. Facts. And, and, and that's, that's the most, the most important, uh, most important thing there is to always keep in contact with family. That's why, you know, uh, coming up this year, definitely going to try to make an attempt to go see my mother and, you know, see if we can make something happen. Uh, it would probably have to be the weekend for me because I work on Thanksgiving because, well, because Walmart, but uh, as you know, Oh yeah. For but, uh, my my favorite uh, Thanksgiving memories, uh, I tell you one that really stood out to me was uh, I want to say it was about two thousand nine, about two thousand ten or so. My dad came down for Thanksgiving, and um, you know my dad struggled with um, you know subs with substance abuse issues for a long time. He had been clean for a few years up to that point, um, but I, it was the first Thanksgiving I could recall spending with him and actually remember. And he came down, he brought down um, some uh, green bean casserole that he made. I swear to God, it is the greatest green bean casserole I've ever had in my, my, my damn life. Still to this day, and it's been over a decade. Um, but that memory to me always stood out because I got to actually spend a holiday with my dad. And there's just nothing like that, especially when you didn't get to, ha- you didn't get to have those memories year in and year out. Now, the worst... If you got a queasy stomach, please uh, turn the volume down or turn or please don't turn the show off. Stick with us, please. But <laughs> just kindly mute for the moment. <laughs> I okay. I, still to this day, I hate I hate sweet potatoes for this reason. My, you know, when you're growing up, you don't have a lot to eat, and it's basically you eat what I make or you don't eat at all. So my mom made had made yams. Now, granted, these were not fresh sweet potatoes; these were out of the can. Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know better. So, you know, so it was obviously a case of either you eat it or you don't, and that's that. And I don't want to hear any whining about it. So I wind up eating the yams out of the can, you know, cooked and everything, and I puked everywhere. Oh man, I can't eat them to this day. I used to get tricked into eating them though without knowing it, because I like pumpkin pie, which apparently I didn't know that that's like a white folks thing. Though pumpkin is a white. I don't See, I'm like not a fan of pumpkin pie at all. 
but I do my like mom sweet would, potatoes, my, though. My, my mom would love you for that. Well, you're a lot more country than me, if you will. Uh, but she used to she used to serve me pumpkin pie and trick me, or, or what I thought was pumpkin pie and turned out it was sweet potato pie, and it was all dressed up to look like pumpkin and everything with the whipped cream and whatnot. And I'd eat oh, it, yeah. not even not even knowing I had it, but. I used to get duped into eating that stuff, but yeah, I actually I threw up eating yams at a Thanksgiving once, and it was absolutely wretched. So knowingly, I will not eat sweet potatoes. Like someone would have to make them, and they'd have to cure coronavirus and can- and all forms of cancer in the world for me to eat it. Otherwise, see, that, <laughs> see, I think that right there ties for like your worst Thanksgiving experience as well. So for me, anytime I had to share my birthday. A Thanksgiving gathering was probably my worst Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's right, because your birthday is November the 30th. Yep, which is the end of this month, folks. Good God, the year's gone well, keep by. Keep that in mind. Wait, how old are you going to be now? 87? 31. I'm about to say, if I'm 87, you're already in the grave, old man. First off, I'm like Betty White. I ain't, go- I ain't going nowhere ever. Uh, the only Period. part of that that's actually accurate is you both are short. <laughs> Moving on before I kick you in the dick. <laughs> I, I'll get you a stool so you can reach. I promise you. God damn it. <laughs> this so, is how it is on a regular, folks. Even when we're not recording, even when we're not recording gold for you, this is literally how it is on a weekly. I'll be honest, it's kind of like an episode of Martin. We're just roasting on each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, except I ain't calling you Chuck Wagon insinuating. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right, so what do you say we dive back into the uh, – what did you guys kind of do to prep for the holiday season? My mama's face. Uh, basically, uh, you eat, and, you know, it comes down, whoever does, whoever can make it down. We all just, you know, kick it, and my uncles would come down, and then they'd all, they'd all fall asleep on the couch within, like, 10 minutes of eating. Um, and, you know, we would do the traditional, um, you know, watch football on Thanksgiving and just, you know, and just chill and enjoy. Got older, uh, house hopping became a thing where, OK, we're going to eat it. We're going to eat it at Mama's and then we're going to go to so and so's house and then hit this one up, say what's up to the people and go see what they got cooking. And we're going to grab a bite over there. So as I, you know, as I got older, that just became a thing. Like you go, go see your cousins or something like that, or, you know, close friends and go see what their mama, their, their mama's made because you're one of their adopted children and you go over there, do your thing because you got to eat and make enough room for the next house and then jet to the next one. Wash, rinse, repeat. Just casually Uh, snack as you're going from house to house is like basically Basically, but I would try to. St- I would always. I'd always go for ham over turkey because turkey does make you fall asleep. The, the tryptophan and turkey will will knock you out. Get the um, itis. Big time, big time. But also, your turkey had better not be had better not be dry. Um, mm. I'm definitely like a um, a ham person when it comes to my holiday meats. Um, better be smoked, also, not baked. Can I can I can I share a story with you about a about a baked mac and cheese? So I moved, you know, I moved I moved out here six years ago, and um, and uh, Michelle's mother, her family, Jesse Jessica's family, did not know what baked mac and cheese was. 
mm. at all. I, now, granted, this was the first big holiday I was spending down here, and we were still, you know, pregnant at the time. So I had to explain what baked mac and cheese was. And I said, God, I couldn't, I, I, I feel so out of place. Like, and, 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 I, and I love her family to pieces. Absolutely do. I, you know, I went to church with a couple, a couple of them yesterday, loving the pieces. But I said, this is the whitest place I've, situation I think I've ever been in. Like, I know white folks who know what baked mac and cheese is and can throw down on it. I was so depressed. But now, since then, they've always made baked mac and cheese. And it does pass the test. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Quality assurance, I, I, right? I yeah, I, yes, I'm 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 the I'm the QA tester, you know, for the for the baked mac and cheese. But I, I felt completely out of place, like a fish out of water when I heard that these folks didn't know what it was. I'm like, oh good lord, am I gonna fit in here at all? <laughs> you know? I'll be honest with you, though, the main things my mother always made was the mashed potatoes, the corn, and she always made the rolls. She's like, somebody else can screw with the meat. And then more recently in years, she's decided to don the role of doing the full spread and stuff and then going to these gatherings. And I'm just like, you couldn't chase me down to give me that job. (laughs) I had no roles in the kitchen whatsoever. It was literally get the hell out until everything's done. (laughs) Uh, You know, ain't no need, ain't no need for anybody else to be in the kitchen that ain't cooking in the first place. But I really, I, I'm really looking forward to this year's Thanksgiving, uh, however it's going to look. And then down, you know, later uh, down the road, we're going to be discussing our Christmas memories. And, you know, and that's going to be a lot of fun, folks. We're also going to discuss the best Christmas gifts we got, the worst ones we got. Us being gamers, we always, almost always get video games at least one a year for Christmas. So we'll also discuss the best and worst games we've gotten as well. We've got some doozies for that as well. But, oh, yeah. You know, so, what do you want for your birthday, by the way, sir? Man, I changed my mind just like I changed my underwear. I have no clue what I want to get. I mean, I could be one moment saying, hey, I want this really nice piece of music equipment. You know, I've got myself talked into it. And you know what? Then I squirrel, and I'm like, hey, I want a crossbow. And then I squirrel again, and then I'm like, oh, you know what? Recording equipment. Then I'm like, no, something else. And it's like... I'm terrible to buy for. Like I'm, I'm one of the hardest people to shop for because one, either a, it's expensive, or b, I literally have probably squirreled onto the next thing. You're a dude. You're, you should be easy to buy for. I know women who are who are much easier to buy for than you. Dude, it's just hard because like I buy things progressively throughout the year that I want. I don't wait for somebody to be like, "Hey, what do you want?" And I'm like. Oh wait, I already got that. <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's just like keep keep it simple, stupid. Like usually, like okay, at, like me, you know what you know what to get me to make me happy. I'm I'm not hard to buy for. I'll be like, honest with you. I, customary for me every year, socks and underwear. I'm happy. Oh good lord, that's you're such like an this... adult. You're such an adult. Well, I mean, honestly, shit's expensive. I mean, I, I would rather have you know my socks and underwear guaranteed every year for Christmas. And then I usually get my usual rigmarole stuff, you know, like I usually stay within this far and say, all right, you know what? I'm going to have like a really light birthday present and then we just consolidate it to Christmas. And that's usually how it happens, you know. It's so stereotypical. Granted, my mother was right all along with you saying that, that you can never have enough socks and drawers. Folks, that is the gospel. And I got plenty enough myself. However, 
Dude, Buy I'm you always wearing Power Rangers related. Get you, get you Power Rangers. You know what? You know what's it? Well, which thing are we talking about? There's several items, and they're all expensive. But also, here's the thing: when yeah, you have kids, you don't have nice things just lying no, around. No, you do like not. That. No, you do not. Kid, the, your kids get the nice things, and it, and you do if you're lucky. <laughs> oh no, no, you, you can have some nice things around the house. It's just called you better make sure they're out of their reach because if it's something nice and you value. Little hands get it, you betcha. Something's either going to be broken or it's going to be messed up in one way, shape, or form. So uh, I, that, we got no pro- We've got no problem. No, I, I got no problem with that. You know, my my daughter knows. My, I value my Golden Girl stuff. You know, very heavily. She once asked why she she once asked, "Daddy, your girls are in the bathroom." Yes, yes, because I have a shower curtain with them on it. <laughs> um, but. You know, for the most part, like, I think you're a pretty easy dude to buy for. And like me, I am too. But some of the stuff I like is quite pricey. But we're, we're kind of basic that way. You know, well, uh, think about I, like this, too. If I if you want to get me something like that, I would use on a regular basis, you know, something like work related, like, hey, I can always use a brand spanking new utility knife or, hey, that's always. a nice pair of work boots over there or, you know, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Uh you can never go wrong and never have too many tools. Like, you know, that, that that's kind of my wheelhouse there. You can either go more towards the side of like games and nerdiness or music equipment, or you know what, just buy me something practical. Like I would be so excited right now, you know, since it's getting ready to go in the winter season, I'm all fired up to split wood. If somebody were to get me like a splitting mall and like a wedge, oh man, I would be like in hog heaven. I would not know how to act. Oh, honey, I have no idea what any of that is, but I know I know if it has to do with yard work of any kind, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna get you sexually aroused. Oh. Um, you know, actually, I'll tell you one thing I would like to get, and this would actually be from 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 Michelle. She was watching one of her cartoons Saturday, and she saw somebody was playing hockey on one of her cartoons, and she she noticed how they skate because she didn't actually know how hockey was played. She thought mm. you walk around and everything. So she said, "Daddy, I want to learn how to how to skate like like hockey." She wants. I she asked me for ice skates, and I'm just. I almost cried. You ought to take her I, out to a place and have her hit the ice one time. Just try it there's out. A, there's a rink in Springfield, and there's one in uh, Springdale, Arkansas, as well, which isn't too far from where I'm at, to teach her how to skate. And one of my buddies, uh, who's a big hockey fan, he he said. I'm going to shed a tear for you. That's a proud dad moment right there. And this is the dude who did his gender reveal by shooting a, by, by shooting a hockey puck in his driveway and exploded blue. <laughs> so, See, we uh, never did a gender reveal. We were just get to the point. We're just like, hey, this is what we're having. If we need something, y'all, there you go. Now you know. <laughs> well, well, Michelle's five, so whenever, you know, I don't like the whole gender reveal thing wasn't that big you know, in 2015. So, you know, I, I, I was like, Oh, like it's a, like another girl. And like, I wasn't upset about it by any stretch of the imagination, but I was kind of low key hoping for a boy only because my entire life has been surrounded by women, but there, that is a good thing at the end of the day, fellas. So don't, don't ever feel like you're less than a man. If you weren't raised around a bunch of men, it's um, just me and my boy against the world right now. Like I said, we're going to have three women in the house before too long. Boy, uh, I, I, y'all are y'all are gonna be up against it. I'll tell you right now, it's gonna be a, a definite battle of the sexes. Who's gonna win that house out? And honestly, I don't think you stand much of a chance, bud. I really don't. 
Oh man, there there's a, always a narrow escape route always available in this house. So we can <laughs> we, we we can beeline it if some stuff gets too hairy. <laughs> well, folks, uh, well, well, folks, Christmas is going to be very very exciting for for everyone and. Uh, once again, we hope you all have a very safe ha- and happy and healthy holiday with you and your loved ones uh, coming up, starting with Thanksgiving, and then we get into Christmas and so on and so forth. So looking forward to that for everybody. Uh, so fill us in next, brother. Well, dude, I was going to say, you, you realize something. That's what something is that? else I am not thankful for. Terrible games, but great parent companies that make them. Like, I thank you for all the gems you've given us. But when you lay a freaking turd like some of these titles, it's just like, why? Why even bother? <laughs> I think everybody's entitled to laying one bad egg every once in a while. Oh, no, there, there's sometimes that you're held to such a high standard. You just better not fuck up. That's all I got to say. <laughs> like, I, I mean, there's only a few companies that I would. Well, no, I, I lie. Well, Squaresoft hasn't let me down, or, you know, Square Inc., so let me be correct here, hasn't really laid one for me yet, per se. That's a very good point. You know, they, they're one of, probably the model of consistency in terms of quality for their games, going back all the way to NES. Uh, they really haven't, haven't shit the bed, if you will. Now, before we, before we went on the air, you prefaced by mentioning one of our favorite com- game uh, companies, Capcom. Yeah, they've been susceptible to, to some uh, to some turds in their day. Yeah, so when somebody drops walk... a turd in a punch bowl, yeah, that's one of them. And you and you're a big fan of the Resident Evil series, and you you had a, you had a few to mention there. So you want to go ahead and uh, rattle off a little soapbox about that? <sighs> yeah, I mean to be honest with you, let's start out at the beginning here. We technically were talking about Devil May Cry, so that was a game I was super excited for when it came out for the PS2. You know, whenever, you know, you see a sequel, you get excited about it, right? Of course. Well, Devil May Cry 2 is far from anything to get excited about. It, the consistency of the game and, you know, the camera angles and everything else just was nothing but garbage, to quote the great Macho Man, which we'll be talking about later. Yes, but, we will. You know, stuff like that. And then, of course point and shoot games were a thing back in the day and then once the Wii came out that was another big thing so Capcom also produces another one of my favorite series you you grazed on was Resident Evil so you had things like you know Resident Evil the Umbrella Chronicles and you had like the Dark Side Chronicles I like the Dark Side Chronicles but the Umbrella one was just straight garbage I mean and there's very few games like, you know, Resident Evil that I do not like, but there's several of them that they've made that are just kind of like, what in the hell? Like, why? And then it it goes on, you know, Konami, they were used to be faithful back in the day, you know, we had great Ninja Turtle games, and then you get games later on that are just like crap. So Capcom, because I know you're you're very passionate about uh, the, about their company and their games. I'll give you another one, and uh, it kind of gets a pass because it was the first. But the original Street Fighter, not a good game. Okay, take it in. If we were to play it when it first came out, Kyle, I think our opinion would be different. First game Probably. was not bad. Second game, absolutely a home run. 
I mean, and that's the thing you got to perceive it as the time it was released and then what it was running against. So you got to think with a lot of these games. So anything Resident Evil, they were coming off the hype of Resident Evil 4. Very big popular title really set the standard for a lot of their gameplay going forward. And that was the issue I had with the point and shoot stuff. The only thing with the Dark Side Chronicles I enjoyed was the storytelling because it revisited, you know, stuff from like Code Veronica. We got to see a lot of old stories get kind of closed up. And, you know, you got to see kind of the dynamic with Leon Kennedy and freaking Krauser whenever they were on their missions way before Resident Evil 4. Yeah. And it, it, they closed the gaps up on stuff. But, you know, then you had these games that were just like they threw you in, just like, you know, the Umbrella Chronicles. They were just like, yeah, here, take a shot at it. Give it a whirl. And I, I'm not much on having a guided game. I like to be able to roam freely and kind of go at my own pace versus something guiding me to my objective, and I just better not run low on my health. But, you know, different things like that. And then the same thing with, like, Devil May Cry 2. I had a huge issue with the way you would have latency issues with you would swing your sword, you may hit, you may miss, you know. And when 3 came out, I was super happy they fixed all the issues that they had with 2. You know, because 1 set the bar really high. I don't think I've been more disappointed with the sequel than Devil May Cry 2. I remember getting the game. I remember getting GamePro magazine. I used to religiously read that in high school and seeing the cover of one of their issues that had Dante on it with this revamped look for Devil May Cry 2. I was hyped beyond belief. Like legitimately going into high school, that was one of the biggest games I was looking forward to in like 2003, I want to say it came out. And what a what a wet fart. It was, uh, it's not, it's not an enjoyable game. Granted, it is not the worst game in the world, but it has such a high standard to hold up to with the first DMC. And it was a massive letdown. Now, Capcom is yours. I'm going to let off with, and I, folks, I do not like mentioning the name of this game at all. First, let me, let me preface with the fact biggest fan of the Metal Gear slash Metal Gear Solid franchise you may ever meet. But Konami, used to be a standard like Contra and the Castlevania series and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, and of course Metal Gear Solid and all of those other ones. After after they fired the creator of the Metal Gear franchise, Hideo Kojima, because they because Konami owned the name and they owned the IP, decided, well, we can just make the we can just make a game however we want, slap the name on it, and it will sell because it's called Metal Gear. Metal Gear Survive is the is the physical is a video game version of AIDS. I I hate this game with every fiber of my being to the point that I have I had friends at my old at the old Walmart I worked at that were jokingly saying they would buy this game for me because they knew it was gonna make me mad. I was not having it, and it takes it takes a lot to really make me mad. But that now, when it comes to gaming, you, I, 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 no, not at all, not at guys, all. Guys, you're getting Christmas ideas as we speak. Uh, how about you shut your whore mouth, oh, <laughs> dude? This game is so bad; it's literally uh, it's a it's a zombie survival game called Metal Gear. How dare you? And then how dare Konami try to say 
it ties into Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, which was made by Kojima, but that was also a game that wasn't finished. They fired him before the game could get done and then released it unfinished. Because that sounds like a lot of game companies, man, have to do something and then release it. Basically, the, basically their approach was, yeah, he may have created the game and he may and he may have been the driving force behind all the money that that franchise has made our company. But at the end of the day, we still own the IP. So we can just we can just slap, you know, we can do what we want with it and don't need him. So the game was uh, was released undone and it still sold well and there was still very positive reviews about it. But the fact that there was a bait and switch in the story and as it was revealed, the game was was released with unfinished chapters because this was a different game than your typical Metal Gear, which is more open worlds and um and stealth based with just one clear mission, but this game was built in chapters and there were pieces of the story missing and they come to find out they fired the man who was responsible for Konami becoming a gaming juggernaut. And then you have the gall to release a zombie survival game and call it metal gear. How dare you? Well, we're speaking of chapter games, dude, how do you feel about that kind of genre of game? How you play it out in sections? Oh, I don't mind as long as everything's as as long as the game is well structured. It has a story that I can invest in with characters that I have a reason to care about. I don't I don't mind that. I don't mind that in the least. Uh, one of my favorites actually is Final Fantasy X too. I I know that's a controversial game in the Final Fantasy realm, but I enjoyed that one, and I didn't mind the change the change in tone and style and the fact that it was all um, it was pre- it was a lot more open ended instead of. Uh, as linear as 10 was well the thing is they called it back to more of like the original one and two and it had different shades of four in it as well and you know i didn't i did not mind that whatsoever um but you know konami just really let me down and also they had some other ones that really pissed me off every version of contra from from playstation on except for Contra Shattered Soldier. Now, the Contra games, if you're old, if you're old school enough, you know all about those, especially the uh, original NES version. Once, once that franchise hit PlayStation and PlayStation Two, it just got bad. There was Contra Legacy of War, Neo Contra, where you had one dude who was a samurai. It was weird. Um, uh, and you and you mentioned earlier, and we're going to allude to um, a game that you are one, that you that you're excited about. We're going to talk about upcoming new releases in gaming that we're both excited about. You're gonna, you're going to talk about Metroid, but I want to mention something that we discussed before we went on the air. How sure. certain classic franchises that were that were designed in 2D are just meant to be played in 2D. Well, Where, like the formula for like Castlevania, man, you know, like Symphony of the Night, everything like that. They kept true to the plane. Yeah. Now, when you look at when they try to put Castlevania on the Nintendo 64 and open world 3D, eh. it was, it was a hot bag of garbage. But, you know, when we had like stuff like Portrait of Rune and stuff that came out for like the GBA, I mean, I think honestly, when the GBA came out, that was a strong resurgence of the old, you know, 32-bit times, and we had a lot more stuff where they were like, you know what, we're going to use this as a model, and we're going to make it. Well, uh, you know, Contra is just one of those franchises that was not meant to be any t- in, in any type of 3D. You know, 
so disappointed whenever it transitioned over because it was almost this unwritten rule of gaming. Oh, well, you got to go 3D at some point. Everybody's got to do it. Some franchises just aren't meant to. Well, I was happy was when, when, like, Metroid, they did, you know, Metroid Prime and Prime 2. And then we were talking about how the other M sucked. It just wasn't well-received. But I was really excited to see how they went back to doing 2D plane for Metroid Dread. Yes. And that's a perfect transition into our next segment. Uh, we've got, got a lot of new releases coming up for the Holiday Rush. And that is one that you're very, very excited about. So that's Metroid Dread uh, releasing on the Nintendo Switch. Well, and that's going already back out to now. That's... Well, it's available now in stores and on and online with the, for the Nintendo Switch. And you like the fact that it went back to a more traditional 2D side-scrolling formula. I did. And I mean, the, the other thing I'm excited about, and I know you're excited about too, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. We are yes. getting a taste of an old-school side-scroller beat-em-up. The way the way the way Turtles is meant to be, and I love the slow revitalization of the side-scrolling beat 'em up because that was that's a massive genre that we grew up on. We love those games to pieces. Uh, another example, I have Streets of Rage Four um, on the Xbox One as an absolute blast to play. Plus, you can switch the music back to the old Sega Genesis style music. True, but. We also we also love the fact that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has a huge soft spot for us as you know as kids and as adults now. Um, Turtles in Time, arguably the greatest beat 'em up ever made. Uh, and I also, three you know, takes a place for me, man. The Manhattan yeah, Project, the Manhattan Project on Sega Genesis, and then you also have the Hyperstone Heist on on, on uh, Genesis. Actually, Manhattan Project was on the NES. On NES, that's right. Yeah, it's on the NES and. Hyperstone was on the Genesis, but those are three tremendous titles. Something else, too. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is another one of those resurgence of classic side-scroller beat-em-ups. That yep. one was another one that my family likes to play. It Just because it's so easy to get into, and it has that same formula of, you know, you go through, you're collecting your items, or it, you don't even have to play it like that. You can just play it straight through where you're just punching and going. Any a, a pick up and play game is always can, is always uh, more accessible for people who aren't gamers necessarily, and it just creates for a fun experience. Now, though, now the one game I'm really excited about is actually three games in one, and it is the official trilogy remaster of Grand Theft Auto's Three, Vice City, and San Andreas. Uh, granted, I will play the original versions of those until they fall apart, but I'm beyond ecstatic for the visual facelift that these three games are going to be getting. Uh, I got Grand Theft Auto 3 for Christmas back in 2002. That game changed my very naive, young 15-year-old self, to say the least. It was then I found out why the car bounces up and down when you pick up a woman. <laughs> right. You want to know something pretty soul-shattering? I have yeah. honestly never played one of those titles. Honestly, I'm not surprised. I really am not. It's... Well, it goes back to our gaming taste, man. Like I've always said, I am more of the RPG guy or, you know, just an adventure game. You know, things I grew up on were like Legend of Zelda and things like that. And, you know, fighting games. I, just if I didn't really, at those times, even when that stuff came out, I had a GameCube before I ever had a PS2. I enjoyed playing stuff like Mario Kart and other things. But yeah. you know, Resident Evil 4 was one of my titles I had for the GameCube. I love that game. I love that game as well. I played it on the PS2, though. Uh, the, the GTA games, for me, it's, it's the ultimate. It was the first, f the first feeling of 
I'm in control of whatever I want to do in this world. And I can go on, I can go on ambulance missions. I can go pick up people for cab fare, um, do this, that, and the other. And you can just do create whatever mayhem and havoc you wanted to in this sand. Essentially it's a sandbox. And that's where the term sandbox game came from was GTA three. Then you get vice city. Vice City was actually the first game I actually set, got my mom to sit down and wa- she would watch me play because of the music alone. And that's how influential music can be in a video game where the, fir- the first song you hear when you get into a vehicle playing Vice City is Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. She heard that and she started tripping. She started tripping really hard because she had never heard it. You know, you don't hear licensed music like that in games at that time. And, you know, you cycle through all the music, all the stations and Vice City is set in South Beach in the 80s. And you got that kind of flavor. You also have Slayer in there and Ozzy and stuff like that. Then you go to San Andreas is set in uh, South Central L.A. in the early 90s. And you hear a lot of uh, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, N.W.A., stuff like that. You know, that 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 can draw people who aren't gamers in. And it's just it's the open world feeling of I can go and do whatever I want with almost no consequence. So I'm really looking forward to a 20 year facelift uh, that's going to release on November 11th on uh, all consoles, PC, uh, PS five, Xbox one, Xbox series X, all the, all that jazz. So like, I don't have too many I'm really big on right now, but that's definitely. Can we go ahead and dive into our Q and a section of the show, Kyle. Absolutely. Let's do it, man. So I was approached the other day about a very good question. You know, we, we, me and you both are wrestling fans. And, you know, one of the questions that comes up is talking about rehearsing matches, you know. And the one that gets the most positive and the most negative is the Steamboat and Macho Man match that they completely went through a step-by-step process to organize this match. Versus traditional guys that called it in the ring. Kyle, what do you, what do you think? Your what's your opinion on that? I mean, we have. I feel like we have two different standpoints on it. It depends on it depends on who who you're working with. Uh, most guys do like to call it in the ring, especially the uh, the ring generals, if you will. And but the thing is, with both of those men, they both you know Savage and Ricky Steamboat both were ring generals, but uh, because. Because uh, Ricky came more came from Mid Atlantic in the NWA, he was he was definitely used to calling things on the fly in the ring. Uh, where Savage was was Savage was a rarity at that time, where he liked to meticulously plan out everything in the ring step by step, spot you know if you will spot for spot. Um, that could that could have rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way in in those days. Um, def, maybe not so much now. But back then, when it was all about, you know, imp- your, imp- your ability to just roll on the fly and react to the audience, uh, Savage was different. So I, I'm more of the uh, – like, I'm more in, in line to call it in the ring, read the audience, and, you know, then once you, once you fill them out, they'll, they'll dictate where you go to a degree. But you take them on the ride. Uh, now Diamond Dallas Page is a, is a guy who was was who followed in the steps of Savage, where he liked to plan his matches out, and it worked. It worked for him. You just got to make sure if you're going to be that guy, that the, that your dance partner is completely okay with that with that style of match. Because make sure it's consensual. Guys, 
a lot of guys <laughs> a lot of guys really just like to go with the flow and they call it on the fly in the ring, especially if they've been doing it for a long, long time, and that's what's worked for them. So that but I, I lean more I lean more on the side of just call it in the ring. See, and I thought we might differ a little bit on that, but it turns out we're pretty close to par on it. So my opinion on it is, and I'm going to go ahead and add to a comment of yours there. You know, the thing with DDP, whenever, you know, they did the merger of WCW and WWF, uh, that really kind of honestly hurt his career. I think, honestly, if he would have been more able to work on the fly, he would have probably gotten a little few more chances because, I mean, once you come to a guy like, you know, when he does work with The Undertaker and say, hey, brother, we need to go ahead and try to choreograph our match out and dude's like, what the fuck? No. Like, we're, we're, we're calling it in the ring. And, you know, guys like Taker that were old school and, you know, worked it as you go. That was kind of the thing. And I really think that hurt him in that time period because of that. Because you had top guys that were just kind of taking a dump on him at that point with it. And, you know, bad gimmicks for him, too, didn't really help either. But I, I'm more the guy that if you're going to tell the story, it needs to be done in the ring. I mean, Ricky and Mach, fantastic match. Can't go wrong with it. It's probably one of his best matches. But it almost takes the magic out of it. If you have to go through, like, saying, step one, lock up. Step two, arm drag. Step three, you know, different things of that nature. And that that's where to me where it affects the storytelling. And honestly, I prefer the old classic guys, you know, like the old NWA days, you know, watching, you know, the good stuff with even back in Crockett with Dusty and, you know, the four horsemen. Those guys told the story in the ring. And you would hear stories from Arn Anderson talking about, you know, they wouldn't know what was going on at that point until you locked up and the man had a way of just talking to you in the ring and walking you through everything step by step and you had the psychology there and it's just even today a lot of the people just don't have that and you know it's and i think it goes back to the whole thing with you know sports entertainment versus professional wrestling and then also tied in with that you just have not very many classic workers now we're starting to see a little bit more of that classic work again and some of that psychology but I think, honestly, that's what benefits from that. You actually understand it more in that moment versus having to plan it out and say, if you miss that step, you're, you're kind of just there. You're kind of out in the wind. You know, you raise, you raise a lot of good points there, too, and I appreciate, you know, I appreciate, you know, where, we, uh, where you come from when it comes to that. It just, to me, it really depends. Is, the other, is your dance partner comfortable this way? It's, it's, it's like a bullet pointed promo versus a fully scripted promo same type of premise or or just uh, an off the cuff work shoot uh promo which uh, for the the uninitiated a work shoot promo is where you don't where you tell some some you sprinkle some reality within the uh within the lines of the story you're telling for the audience uh where a little bit of that can go a long way but you don't want to do too much of it like um May, I, I will say for a lot of guys, it's probably a mix of, okay, let's rehearse and go over these key moments in the match that we're going to hit for the audience to react accordingly. But the rest of it, we'll just call in the ring. But let's make sure that we nail and rehearse the big spots. 
Yeah, calling the spots is a great thing. I mean, that's fantastic, but to do the small angles and stuff, like obviously, you know, let's say if you've got a good, strong baby face and a good heel, let's say the heel goes ahead and does an arm drag, kind of just kind of laughs at him a little bit, kind of gives that swagger. Then he does like a hip toss and then chains back into doing another arm drag or something to that effect. And then once it comes back time, you know, for the baby face to call back to him, he does the same thing, except with a little bit more aggression, a little bit more pep and be like, ha, I can do it even better than you can. And just give it. it, It's like I said, it's that's the storytelling because you don't have that sometimes with people whenever they're calling just like spot match calling or even calling like, hey. You know, yes. we're plan this out in advance because that's where you get guys that are like not there. So you do uh, either a splash or something. It's like, oh, nobody's home. People get hurt that way. Or, you yep. know, hey, we're going to have this step in our match where we're going to go up to the top rope, get somebody that's missing one of their steps to where they're supposed to be. It's a bad thing. If you were to be like right in the middle of the throes of grappling, and talking to that guy, you're right there where you can protect the dude just in case he were to miss a step. But mm-hmm. if you're out of one of the steps that you're trying to call, then that's where injuries happen. And you've got to make sure that you're in sync all the time because you want to because wrestling already rest, wrestling is risky enough as is. Protect your to, partner always because you got to remember that person has mouths to feed too and a family to provide for. Uh, make sure you take care of them the same way they're going to take care of you in the ring. Honestly, that's why probably that's why a lot of guys in WWE love working with Randy Orton. He'll take care of you. You never oh, yeah. hear of anybody getting hurt working with Randy Orton. Safe worker, man. I mean, there's early years. Yeah, there were some issues, but that was just a lot of his arrogance and stuff. But I mean, you, you got to admit he learned from the best. I mean, he had Triple H in oh, yeah. corner. He had Ric Flair. And stuff, you know, him and Dave were coming up at the same time. They really learned from two of the safest workers in the business. Yeah, um, you uh, and those once again, never hear anybody getting hurt saying, "Well, that guy hurt me." You know, you know, Hunter took liberties with me, or he didn't protect me, or anything like that. You never hear stories. Now he uh, might bury your ass, but that's a different story. (laughs) Boy, that 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 shovel is a mighty golden. Speaking of Triple H, how about we transition into something we're both very excited about because Triple H, obviously a big influence on his career, was the late Lemmy Kilmister of Motorhead. You tuned me on to something pretty hot this morning. You want to go ahead and fill the folks in on that? Well, guys, we're going to begin our wonderful Retro Rewind. And today we are actually going to go over a classic Ozzy song, Hellraiser. Recently, for the 30th anniversary, they re- they animated the actual whole music video. Had, you know, the version with him and Lemmy in it. And it's kind of a nice callback to, like, the old movie, Heavy Metal, you know, with the animation and stuff. And Kyle, I'm going to let you tell your first impressions on this, because I can sing about music all day long until the cows come home. So you, you tell me kind of what you thought about it. Oh, uh, okay. I'm just gonna be straight honest. Like, if that if that video was a woman, how you doing, <laughs> dude? That was it was so baller. Uh, the energy, the animation looked absolutely sick. Uh, it seriously looked like an episode of Metalocalypse. Uh, and the and the lesson learned is don't touch Lemmy's guitar because oh, bad things will happen. It was so cool. Um, uh, 
and it was just it was it was a great mashup to see. Uh, credit to the an- credit to the animators. Oh, dude, absolutely! I I would tune in anytime to just watch a cartoon series of that. If they were to actually go through and do a full series of him with Metal Gods, like we were talking about, you know, give me Ronnie James Dio, give me anybody, you know, have even like James Hetfield from freaking Metallica, just anybody. I would be so jazzed for and just take my money. The Super Friends of Metal. <laughs> the Super Friends. Meanwhile, at Ozzy's mansion, <laughs> and I love, like, I loved in the video, like there was, a, it was kind of a Scooby Doo, it felt like a Scooby Doo shout out where Ozzy and Lemmy hop into the van, and it's called Mister Crowley. Dude, all of it was like teasing towards his, you know, different song titles, like whenever he's learning the magic out in outer space, you know, which is a crazy thing. Do you learn magic in outer space? Who knows? But the literal book he has says Diary of a Madman. And then, of course, you know, you got Lemmy over here bench pressing stacks like it's nobody's business. <laughs> and, and, you know, the little call outs to whenever he releases like the spell, he turns into this giant dragon and then bites the head off the freaking bat demon. And then Lemmy's just like punches him and he disintegrates. It's like magic. Thus proving metal is good for the world. It, it, save, it, it saves everything. Exactly. I mean, seriously, folks, if you haven't seen this, absolutely check it out. We 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 give it we give it ten stars in the Tokyo Dome. Exactly, and I mean this it sets the tone because not every rewind has to be a stinker, and it doesn't have to be you know super duper retro. It can be something's popular, and I mean if you guys have something you'd like to suggest for us to review, either be you know more recent you know rehashing, or be even something in the past mysterious, like we said that's not seen the light of day in years. We will bring our shovels. We will dig that body up, and we will thoroughly examine it. Absolutely. And remember, folks, to uh, you can either you can contact us by email at beardsbrewsbros at uh, gmail.com. or if you follow us on Facebook, check us out at Beards Brews and Bros on Facebook, and leave a suggestion in our uh, in our inbox or also or, or publicly on our wall. Either way, as long as you're hollering at us and uh, throwing suggestions or questions at us, we're all for it, and we really appreciate your support. This does not mean that we support necrophilia by any means, by the way. I just want to make that clear. We're not, we're not going to go on or somebody's body, Kyle. I'm going to make that pretty clear. Well, uh, you know, I, 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 I didn't think that needed to be uh, actually said, but thank you. Thank you for letting everyone know. Well, our wonderful <laughs> listeners out there, I didn't want them to get the wrong impression. I mean, because we're, we're, we're pretty two clean cut folks here. We're, we're, we're not out there trying to dig nobody up. <laughs> nah, that ain't, that, ain't how, that ain't how we roll on Triple Bs here. Exactly. Well, guys, I appreciate you tuning in. And as always, be kind. Please rewind. See you next week. See you next week.